the first verse in Acts chapter 15, we are, man, we are getting closer and closer to having the whole Bible covered on the read and rant. It's so exciting. And that's really, that was our endeavor. That was the whole purpose behind this was for people to journey with us through the entire scripture and also to posture us in um, a position of prayer, uh, to prayerfully ask the Lord to speak to us in our reading, not simply to look at it as just an intellectual text, but to actually back up and just to receive what God has to say or or do um, in our time in the reading of the word. Reading God's word is a, it's a supernatural activity. It's a spiritual activity. It's not one that, um, that we take lightly. It's a moment where God uh, interacts with us in his word and we have to allow him to. Now, this isn't true for everyone, right? It takes the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's what we do. And that's really what I want to allow you an opportunity to do is to get into the rhythm of allowing God to speak to you as you read the word. And so today we're going to be reading Acts chapter 15. We're journeying through the entire book of Acts and uh, we're getting closer and closer uh, to the end of Acts chapter 15. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We're halfway through y'all. We're halfway through the book of Acts. So let's get to it. Uh, we'll be reading for Acts chapter 15, as I said before, to posture ourselves in uh, to receive from God in the reading of the word. We ask three questions. First question is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing in this scripture concerning me? Let's get to it, y'all. Let's do it. Lord, I just ask as we read your word today, Father, bless us. Lord, bless us today, Lord. As we read it, Father, I pray that something gets stirred up in us, Lord God. I pray that something changes in our hearts. I pray that we get to know you a little bit more today, that we have a better understanding of who you are today. Lord, bless us. Bless this moment as we read it. For those who are reading on Discord, Father, bless us as we come together in this reading. For those of us who will be reading it on Patreon uh, later today, Lord, Bless us. And for those Lord, who may be reading this later on in the podcast, bless us, Lord, as you read your word. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. To being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believed that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles, and they had become silent. James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited, sorry, God at the first visited the Gentiles to take 
out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agreed, just as it is written, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses had throughout many generations those who preached him in every city, but read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Sorry who preached him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter to them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. As we have heard that some of you went out from among us, sorry, went, went out from us, have troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we have gave <clears throat> no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. Sorry, y'all. We also report same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So then when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also preached in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. <laughs> then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit our brethren <clears throat> in every city where we have preached the word of God and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas, who was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Saul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they departed that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren of the grace of God. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Chapter 16. Then he came to Derb and Lystria, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken by the brethren. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with them, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which was determined by the apostles and the elders of, at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they, they tried to go into 
Bithynia, but the spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in that night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, and immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, including that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight course to Simothrace, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city in the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, he went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she heard her house and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed by the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. And when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful to us, being Romans to receive or to observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were singing to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the chains, sorry, the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fell, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he had brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying to the magistrates, sorry, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart, go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now they want to put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. <laughs> And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard what they, <clears throat> what, sorry, heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So he went out of prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they had encouraged them and departed. We'll read one more chapter.
and then we'll call it. Now, when they had passed, hold on, let me put this up. Give me one second, y'all. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. There we go. Chapter 17. And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they had and when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them. And these all are acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city. And they heard that they, when they heard these things, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogues of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica heard the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go into the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spear was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily, those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean Stoic philosophers encountered him and some say, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Aeropagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives us, <clears throat> since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the, all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. And though he is not far from each, uh, each, each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As also one of your poets have said, for we also 
for we also his offspring. <clears throat> Sorry, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something to, to be shaped by heart, by art and a man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men to repent everywhere. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some of the men joined him, believed <clears throat> and among them Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them also. The word of God. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to this time today um, as we engage in the word. Halfway through it, y'all, um, Discord family, for those of you who are on Discord, because I got the Discord fam here. I got the whole crew here. And then I've got a crew on Instagram as well. So quickly shout out, you know, where you're located, IG folks. Let the folks know where you're at. Um, because one of the things I'm, I I take pleasure in is just spending time in reading God's word. I take pleasure in it for the simple reason that if you posture yourself right when you read God's word, like if you if you position yourself not as one who's simply here to take out from the scripture what's good for you, but to excavate out of the scripture the truth of who God is and by consequence, the truth of who we are and to see how the truth of who God is does a work in transforming who we actually are. Like if you posture yourself in a way so that you then expect for God to change something in you, it changes everything. I want to quickly shout y'all out real quick. We got Delaware in the house. We got Cleveland, Ohio. We got Virginia. We got Dallas. We have Maryland. We have Arizona, Philly. Good to see you, Philly. We got Hollywood. We got Fresno. Good to see you, Fresno. Canada in the house. Good to see you. Dade City. What's going on, Dade City? Way down south. Good to see you. We got Toronto in the house. We got Tampa. What's up, Scott? What's going on? We got Tampa in the house. That's my backyard, y'all. That's that. Those are my stomping grounds right there. Rio de Janeiro, good to see you. Minneapolis. Oh, no, sorry. Minnesota. I assume it was Minneapolis. Minnesota in the house. Tallahassee, Trinidad, and Tobago. It's so nice here. I always love shouting out whenever we go on live. If I'm on TikTok or if I'm on G today, I'm not on TikTok. I'm just on IG live. And obviously, I'm on my Discord live. If you're not in our Discord community, let me just say this real quick. If you're not in our Discord community, you sleep. All right. Join our Discord community. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. We're going to be pivoting very soon in our rhythm once we get uh, the entire Bible in full completion on the Read and Rant podcast. If you don't have the Read and Rant podcast either, I want to encourage you to, to, to go ahead and subscribe to the Read and Rant podcast. By the way, y'all, just want to celebrate this really quickly. I should have done this all at the beginning before we do this meditation, but I'm just going to do it while we're here. Guys, we have hit 250,000 downloads, y'all. $250,000, a quarter of a million downloads, guys. It is exciting. It is so awesome uh, to see how many of you are really are into reading the word. Like this is what we do. Literally, we go on the Reading Red podcast to just read the word. And so to see that you guys have committed to that brings me so much joy. And it brings me joy because I know the freedom that comes when you read the word for yourself. By the way, Discord fam, this is another reason why I like doing this on Discord. I get all the memes, all the celebration memes. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. But really, this is something we've all done together. Like, we're all joining together, gathering together to just read through the Word of God. And I know some of you have been intimidated by God's Word. Like, it's like, man, I don't fully understand all of it. It's confusing. First of all, this book right here, it is so thick. Look how thick that book is. No way I can get through all of it. But some of you have committed to 15 minutes a day, 
15 to 20 minutes a day. And that's what we did today, 15 to 20 minutes. And we're reading through the entire Bible together. So I want to encourage you, go on there. You'll be surprised with how much Bible you'll get through. Just read with me. Just read with me. Um, and if you don't listen to the rant afterwards, I'm okay with that. I just want to encourage you to read God's word because when you read it and you ask those three questions, you know, when you say, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Like, God, God what do you want to show me concerning you? Like when we prayerfully ask for God to reveal himself or when we say, God, reveal to me about myself. Like, what do you, what, what is there about me that needs to be exposed? And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it isn't. And that's okay because the Holy Spirit then doesn't work to transform us. What do you, what are you revealing about people? Because these people you've created in your image, what are you revealing about the dynamics of our relationships with one another? When we begin to posture ourselves that way, we get so much insight into who God is and God, and it just opens us up to receive what the spirit has to say. So anyway, that's all to say this today. We read, uh, Acts chapter 15, 16, and 17. I can I can rant for I can rant for days. I'm just gonna put that out there right now. I can rant for days on this scripture. Good thing it's not just about what I have to say, but really what is God really motivating me on? Like what, what is God saying to me today as I'm reading this word? What, what is God really pressing on me as I read this text today? try to go slow and hope hopefully i don't get too lit but man i look at this just from the lens of a pastor okay i'm gonna start off with that just from the lens of a pastor what reading this text does is it shows me what true ministry impact looks like let me say that one more time because I think sometimes when we think of ministry, when we think of, <clears throat> um, you know, what impactful ministry looks like, we think about a room. We think about a stage. We think about how many people are coming to church. We think about all those things and we immediately measure those things as impact. Those become our metrics for impact. But when I read this text, what I read is what true ministry impact looks like. Think about this for a moment. You cannot question Paul's ministry impact. You can't. You can't deny it. You can't deny the influence that Paul had in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't. And yet Paul was not a man who had a quote unquote church. Paul was not a man who he had a, you know, a, a YouTube channel or Facebook, you know, page. And, and Paul was not, he wasn't, he wasn't that guy. Now you can argue and say, well, Paul's YouTube channel were these letters. Sure. You could argue that that Paul was a content creator because Paul wrote, you know, Romans and he wrote Corinthians and he wrote all those things. You can, you can argue all that. But what I'm saying to you is if you read the book of Acts, which Paul did not write, Paul's impact goes beyond the content. And I say all of that because sometimes we believe that simply the content, that the content is enough. Now, if we just preach the content, <laughs> ah, if we just preach the content, man, that's all that matters because, man, that's going to change everything. But Paul did more than preaching the content of the gospel. Yes, the gospel is enough when you understand how the gospel is to be applied. The gospel is enough. I always hear people say, well, just preach the gospel. Just preach the gospel. You don't need to talk about anything else. Just preach the gospel. And really, when people say just preach the gospel, they're actually copping out. I'm going to get in trouble today. I, I can feel it already. I'm going to get in trouble. 
Social media gonna kill me. <laughs> Everybody, y'all just gonna give me in trouble today. Fam, when people say preach the gospel, Pastor, why don't you just why don't you just preach the gospel? Like you don't need to talk about all the other stuff. Just just preach the gospel. Generally speaking, when people say just preach the gospel, they're copping out. They're copping out. Because the gospel permeates into everything, seeps into everything. The gospel has an answer for everything. The problem is, is that the folks who say just preach the gospel don't actually know the influence and the impact that the gospel can bring. And often when folks say just preach the gospel, what they want is they want to maintain the status quo and to preach their own version of the message of Jesus Christ. Forget about looking at yourself. Forget about looking at the brokenness in culture and society. Forget about dealing all of that. Just preach the gospel. Just preach it. Not realizing that the gospel is going to disturb the peace. As a matter of fact, I like that, Mark. As a matter of fact, I'll say it like this. If you preach the gospel enough, you're going to get enough people to be angry, perturbed, and disturbed by you. If the gospel is preached in a way, if the gospel was preached in a way that addressed and dug into culture and society, it will make the people in the establishment that you call church uncomfortable, and it will also make people in the establishment called culture uncomfortable. We were talking about this already. I'm just, we're going to piggyback off of this. We already talked about it in the last episode. I put it on Patreon. You can get it later. Uh, if you didn't catch it, all the patrons, go catch it afterwards because we went in on this topic, but I want to dig in a little bit deeper. I want to dig in a little bit deeper because if you notice Paul's impact came as he went in and engaged with culture. You cannot be countercultural. I like this, Andrea, so I'm going to piggyback off of that. You cannot be countercultural without being cultural. <laughs> Let me say that one more time, y'all, because I need you guys to hear this. You can't be countercultural without engaging with it. Like folks will be like, man, you know, we just go, we just, we just going, we're just going to do our little thing and our little church building. And, you know, we're just going, we're just going to pray. And then, you know, we're going to preach the gospel so hard that folks are just going to show up to the room and we're just going to have our own little, you know, Jesus click. And, you know, we're just going to do our little Jesus thing over here and all of that. And, oh, we're going to be countercultural. Let me tell you something right now. Church, you cannot be countercultural if you're irrelevant. <laughs> you cannot be countercultural if you're irrelevant. And the problem with the church is we've confused and conflated irrelevance with counter with being countercultural. So you say, oh, we're countercultural because you know the culture doesn't follow what we follow. I didn't say that you can't go against the grain, but you got to meet the grain to go against it. And too many folks today in the church, we run away from the culture. We run away from society. We want to run away from the actual matters that matter the matters that matter to people. And then we say, you know what? We're just going to preach Jesus. Just preach the gospel. Really, preaching the gospel for you has always been just a cop-out. If you're going to be countercultural, which I believe the church is, it still has to engage with the culture. It still has to engage with the culture, y'all. And not many of us are engaged enough to even be countercultural. You can't, you don't even know what countercultural is if you don't know the culture. You don't know what countercultural is if you don't actually know the idols that govern and that, I'm sorry, y'all. I don't want to get too lit because then I'm going to get in trouble. I'm not trying to get in trouble, but I might have to get in trouble because, again, I just find too many churches think that being a clique makes them countercultural. Being a click some, somehow, somehow being a click and doing our own thing in our own little place, in our own little space and, and don't, don't talk to anybody out there and don't deal with anything out there and, you know, stay over here where it's safe. 
is somehow counter-cultural. Us Christians have a way of creating bubbles. We create our little holy bubbles, you know, in our little holy cliques, in our little holy churches, in our little holy, and then we build these campuses where, you know, we do our little holy thing because this is where all the Christians go to meet. And so we shelter ourselves away from the culture, you know, shelter ourselves away from all those bad people and all those evil people. And then we question why we become more and more irrelevant, or you could say less and less relevant. We become less relevant because we're not even engaged. We actually don't even know how to speak the gospel into things and into circumstances and situations because all we do is just simply say, hey, you know what, just preach the gospel. Preach the gospel is enough. But the gospel engages with what people are dealing with right now. So find out what that is. Like get into that. You need to know the idols of your culture. I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but whatever. Y'all, y'all gonna see where I'm going. Because what Paul does, and I think this is the part that really inspires me, is when we read in Acts chapter 17, Paul goes, Paul starts off by going into the synagogues. All right, catch it real quick. Paul goes to Thessalonica and he goes into the synagogues. And there in the synagogues, it says, as his custom was. So Paul, this is this was Paul's culture, okay? And again, I'll get to that in a minute because people always say, well, you need to, we need to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath is necessary to be observed because Paul observed it because it was his custom to observe it. Okay, fam, maybe you didn't read Acts chapter 15. We'll come back to that in a second if we have time. I don't even know if we, have, we got time. I feel like I need to just do like three reading rants just on this scripture. I told you I could be here all day on this, okay? Anyway, it took me a while to get here, but I'm here. So Paul, for three Sabbaths, went as it was his custom to go and observe the Sabbath, goes to the synagogues, and he begins to demonstrate Christ, preach Christ, preach the message of the gospel to the religious people in in the synagogues. Paul goes to the synagogues. Some of them were persuaded. Some were not. Some were like, we love our religion more than we love this Jesus that you're talking about. And okay, so Paul then says, all right, cool. And then Paul steps out and Paul begins to engage. First, he goes into the church. He addresses the religious people in the church. And then from there, he takes the ones who are convinced with him to then go and engage with the city. Paul goes into Athens, fast forward 16 verses later. Oh, well, not 16 verses later, but in verse 16. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. So let's stop for a second. Did y'all see what, did y'all see Paul's methodology, his modality of ministry? Paul's modality of ministry was, He's going to reason in the synagogues where he's been reasoning in Thessalonica. So now he's in Athens. He goes into the synagogue, the religious establishment, and he reasons with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. And then he goes into the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. Paul was in the synagogue. And he was in the marketplace, synagogue, marketplace, synagogue, marketplace. He engaged in the synagogue to reason with the worshipers. And then he would go into the marketplace to contend with those in the marketplace. I need to encourage some folks right now who you may think that somehow ministry in the marketplace isn't much ministry. Can I just challenge y'all real quick? There's some folks right now who actually want to leave the marketplace to go into ministry. Yeah. You want to leave your job to do ministry. Ooh, can I talk to some people? How many people in here want to leave the industry to go into ministry? Like you somehow you think that by leaving your industry, whatever it is that you've been gifted by God to do. Okay, be it music, be it art, be it science, be it um, culture, be it medicine, be it politics, whatever it is that you have been given a unique space and place of influence. And for some reason, 
I don't know what happened along the way, but for some reason you let somebody or you let some false uh, assertion come to you to tell you that you need to leave that to go and do ministry. Fam, you don't need to leave your industry to do ministry. You don't need to leave the place that God has uniquely given you space and influence to go and do ministry somewhere else. What if maybe the marketplace is your mission field? What if the industry that you're in is your mission field, be it music, be it art, be it culture, be it science, be it politics, whatever it is. What if that space was where God called you to bring his presence, to bring his power, to bring his message? You can probably get more ministry done if you stayed in the marketplace. It's the lie of the enemy to make people think that they need to leave the industries that they're in in order to go and do ministry. If I was Satan, that's the lie I would give to every believer. That's a lie I give to everyone. Paul went to the synagogue, yes, to do what? To reason with the Gentiles and the Jews. And then from there, Paul then would go daily into the marketplace. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. Because here's the thing, right? That's right. You can be in the laundromat, you can be in the gas station, you can be in the grocery store, you can be at Lowe's, you can share Jesus, but ready for this? Sometimes you just need to be Jesus there. Sometimes you need to be Jesus. Not, 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 you can share Jesus as well. That's all great. That's absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. You can share Jesus, but sometimes you just need to be Jesus there. <laughs> like you need to be the manifestation of the gospel. And yes, it is hard because the workplace can ostracize you because now you're countercultural. You're actually in the culture. This is what it looks like to suffer for the sake of Christ. If it's comfortable, I don't know if it's right. Whoo, if it's comfortable, I don't know if it's right. Yeah, if it's comfortable, I don't know if it's right. But what did we read as we read through Acts? They gave God praise for their suffering. They glorified him in their suffering. Watch this, y'all. I'm sorry, y'all. I mean, I can't believe it. We, we're out of time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this, this, is, this is what a rant looks like. Let me get to it. Let me get to at least one point. I didn't even get to Acts 15. I'm going to slide it in. Y'all going to stay with me for a little bit, okay? Because I'm going to slide this in because this is so important. But y'all need to hear this. And I know somebody needs to hear this. And I know you guys will be encouraged by this because this is so critically important for you to remember today. Look at this text. Paul goes to Aeropagus, the pinnacle, the pinnacle of Athenian culture. This is, this is Greek culture at its height. These are the thinkers and the influencers. And Paul has been given a unique grace to step into that. Maybe we don't, we don't all have Paul's grace, but Paul has a unique grace to step into that. But even though we don't have Paul's grace to step into this level, we all have it to some degree if we're all in the marketplace. Paul steps in and Paul takes all the idols that he saw when he walked into the city. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you know the idols of your city? I just think about it. I just back up for a second. Do you know the idols of your neighborhood? Do, do you know the idols of your community? Do you know the idols in your job? I'm not talking about sin. Okay. I know I'm going to talk a little tough here, but I got to talk, talk a little tough here for a second. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about idols. Sin is the act, right? The, the, the behavior. The idol is the thing that drives the behavior. Some of us are trying to run away from our sins. We're trying to do, we're trying to sin less. Man, if I could just sin less, you're doing it wrong, y'all. By you, you're trying to muster up the the mental fortitude. Yes, you're trying to muster up the, the the intellectual strength and reason your way out of what it is. And maybe you can think your way out of it, or maybe you can just resist your way out of it, fam. You want to overcome sin? 
You've got to confront the idol in your heart that is actually driving the behavior. Stop trying to modify your behavior where what you need is a transformation of your heart. If you're struggling with sin today, I'm asking you to address the matter of your heart. What idol is driving you? What idol is motivating you? What is that thing that says that you have to do it? Speak into that. That's where actually God wants to get into. The church is too much about modifying behaviors and not addressing the idols. Here's the problem. For many of us here, we got idols that we're confronted with, but we don't deal with the idol. We deal with the behavior. For some of you, the idol is people-pleasing. So because you have determined who you are based off of uh, how people feel about you, you will sacrifice your own morality just to receive accolades from people. For some of you, it's comfort. You'll do anything you can. Even if you got to find yourself a zaddy. <laughs> just to make sure you can be comfortable. Confront the idols. You, you, we can go all day. For some of you, it's control. For some of you, it's power. And this is the problem, fam. The problem with a lot of us today is that we're trying to modify behaviors, but the idols still remain strong. So we're, we're wrestling with our own predispositions and predilections towards things, not dealing with what's really going on in the root and in the heart of the thing. The gospel does not preach into behavior modification. Somebody can preach the law to you and preach rules to you. And this is what the church does all the time. They'll preach rules and they'll preach the law to you. And then they'll call it gospel. That's not gospel. The gospel transforms the heart. And for many of us here, that's actually what we need. We need a heart transformation, not behavior modification. But notice what Paul does. Paul knows the idols of the city. He knows the idols of the culture. He knows the things that are driving the culture. This is what it looks like to love y'all. The problem with the church is too many people are sitting around pointing their fingers at everything that's happening. Look at all the stuff that's going on. Look at the LGBTQ. Look at this. Look at that. Fam, calling out sin is not the gospel. You can call out sin all day. That's not the gospel. That's the law. And yes, yeah, sin is sin. And God wants to deal with sin. But guess what? He's dealt with sin. God has already dealt with sin. Calling out sin is not the gospel, fam. It's not. Especially for a God who's already dealt with sin. I know it's going to get me into a lot of trouble. I know it's going to get me into a lot of trouble, but I'm just going to say it anyway. God has already dealt with sin. He's already dealt with it. So if you're fighting sin, you're fighting the wrong battle. Too many of us think that if we just call out sin somehow, that's what preaching the gospel is. No, that is a small part of it. It's preaching the grace and the love of God and how it transforms us. The problem is, is that when we preach a gospel that focuses on sin, 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 we fall into a gospel that modifies behavior and doesn't lead to a transformation of heart. Let's reorient our gospel around the grace and the love of Jesus. And if we can confront the idols that drive the behavior, then we, we'd be able to overcome sin. I know that's going to get me in trouble. I know that's offensive. You want to know why? Because it was offensive to the Jews. It was offensive to the Judaizers. It was offensive to them because they saw the Greeks and they saw the Gentiles all come into faith in Jesus. And mind you, side note, before I even get there, just make sure y'all quickly understand this. He saw the idols of the, of the city. 
Watch. He saw the idols of Athens and then confronted the idols of Athens. He even found an altar that said to the unknown God. This was their pride. This was the idol of knowledge. They worshiped knowledge. They worshiped the knowing of things. And so the God was unknown. This is what they worshiped. They worshiped knowledge. And so they had an altar. And this was an altar they erected that communicated this idol. And he says, I see this, this altar that you've erected. And then he takes their own idioms, their own phraseologies, because it was in knowledge they lived and had, uh, they lived and moved and had their being. And he switched it around and said, it's in him we live and move and have our being. Then he took poetry of his time and said, it says here, from, from what from what you guys, you know, what you guys have celebrated, it says, for we are also his offspring. And then he took their idols and then he flipped them on their heads and reoriented them back to Jesus. Paul knew how to minister the gospel because Paul knew the culture. And because he knew the culture, he knew their words. He knew their idioms. He knew their phraseologies. This, these are the things that Paul then said, I'm going to take that and I'm going to flip it on its head because I'm going to use that to point people to Jesus. The gospel topples idols. That's what it does. The gospel takes the idols of the culture, flips them on their head so that people can see that God has a greater, better life for them than what idols have, have offered. The idols that we have constructed have offered. But man, things like that will stir up the religious. And I know I ain't got time for it, but if you read through 15, you'll see. The Jerusalem Council always gives people trouble when they say, well, you have to worship on the Sabbath or the Sabbath was moved to Sunday. First of all, the Sabbath was not moved to Sunday. All right, let's shut all that down. For those for those who are trying to move the Sabbath to Sunday, you're, you're just as religious as the people who are trying to keep the Sabbath on Saturday. All right. Sabbath wasn't moved to Sunday. The Sabbath was on Saturday. All right. But here's the thing, though, is the Sabbath was a Jewish practice. And because Christ fulfilled the law, those who are in Christ are not subjected by the law. The Mosaic law, the law of Moses. Notice in verse 10, what Peter calls it. Peter calls that a yoke. He says, now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? He's literally telling them, why would you put on them what we couldn't even follow? Did you read the Old Testament with us? If you haven't, go back, go check out the podcast, read the entire Old Testament. You'll see generation after generation after generation after generation of people who could not observe the law. Could not observe, could not observe the Mosaic law. They failed over and over again. That's what the Old Testament is about. It's about a people who are given a law for the most part, a people who are given a law, who are waiting for the promise of God, and yet they could not follow that law over and over again. And Peter now is saying this in Acts chapter 15. He's saying, all y'all, all the Jewish guys who say that they need to become Jewish to be Christian, let me help y'all out. Because they were looking at him, they're like, wait, all these folks are getting, wait a minute, all these folks are coming to Jesus and they're not circumcising them? They need to circumcise them to come to faith in Jesus. Superimposing their culture and their religion on the Christian faith. And yet they failed over and over again. Now Peter's saying in verse 10, fam, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers, nor we were able to bear. I'm sorry if I go like 10 minutes over, okay? I'm going 10 minutes over today. My apologies, y'all. But I have to end with this. Why are you imposing your Jewishness on the Gentiles? Being Jewish doesn't make you Christian. Being Jewish doesn't make you more Christian. Being Baptist doesn't make you more Christian. Being Presbyterian doesn't make you more Christian. Being Pentecostal doesn't make you more Christian. How many of you have grown up in churches where they made their culture their religion? You know, women don't wear pants because that's cultural. So because your culture doesn't accept it, somehow now, 
you've made. <laughs> you, you superimpose your culture. So now, hey, though, hey, ladies, uh, make sure you you don't wear pants. Oh, and make sure your skirt is no more than an inch above the knee. Oh, and be careful with that makeup stuff, you know, because, you know, only, only, you know, only the whores wore makeup. Oh, and, and, and jewelry, and we can go all day on this. And so we've taken cultural norms and superimposed them. Make sure your head's covered. Or oh, women keep silent in the church. Yes, the harlots. Be careful with all the harlots. It's funny how all the rules are all the rules that have been placed on women. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> Isn't it funny that all the... All <laughs> I got three minutes, y'all. I need to stop because I'm going to get in all kinds of trouble. Isn't it funny? In a patriarchal, a patriarchal culture, there are going to be more rules imposed on women than men. Jesus Christ. And so we impose all these rules on women or on a certain race or on a certain person because they need to be like us. Culture over faith. Listen, I, we, a lot of us grew up in that. And so here they are saying, you need to be circumcised and they need to follow the law. They need to follow Moses. They need to follow the Sabbath. They need to follow, they need to do all that. That's what, that's what the, the, the Jewish Christians, the ones who uh, call them the Hebrew, the Hebrew Christians, that's what they said. And now they're all meeting and Paul, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they're coming back, man. They just lit. They're so excited to talk about all the stuff that they seen had happened over in, 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 in Greece and, and in West Asia and all the Gentiles coming to faith. And they can't wait to share testimony of all the incredible things that God is doing and all that stuff. And they get to the Jerusalem council and they hear a bunch of religious people bickering over what you need to do to be Christian. And Peter's like, the law didn't save anyone. Following the law doesn't save anyone. What saved us is that we believe, verse 11, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. It was the grace of God through believing. That's what saved them, not the law. Not observing the Sabbath. So Christians are so quick to move the Sabbath to Sunday. Fam, it, the Sabbath was on Saturday. It still is on Saturday. Do you need to observe the Sabbath? No, you don't. But fam, stop trying to create a new religion when God came to liberate us from religion. And so he said, here's what we will mean for them to be good Christians. Write this down. Abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. So literally, abstain from idolatry and sexual immorality. So yeah, they do that. They're fine. Can you imagine how crazy that is? Like those were the rules. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. The rules, like if you were doing a membership class, I know some of y'all been to membership class. I'm going to close that right here because I'll go all day. If you did membership class at your church, like just think about this for a second. That membership class was, you know, you had like a three, three day session, all the beliefs, all the tenets of faith, you had all the core beliefs, all, you know, you had to memorize them all. Oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble today. I'm gonna get in so much trouble today. I'm sorry, y'all. I listen, family. I apologize. I don't, but I apologize, but I don't. But fam, just think about that for a second. We have all these things that we require of people to believe and to know and to do in order to be members of our churches. Religion, 
when the council of apostles in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, they said, all right, here are the rules, y'all. Ready? I'm sure y'all are waiting for a big list. They say, here are the rules. Abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. All, of course, relating to idolatrous worship. So wait, you're saying to be a member of God's church, abstain from idolatry and sexual immorality? That's it? Membership class over. (laughs) Welcome to the church of God. Welcome to the church of Christ. Oh, man, that would make a lot of folks uncomfortable if, man, it can't be that simple, y'all. What about the Old Testament? What about, there's so much to learn from that. But fam, this is what it all boils down to. I say all that because for those who say, well, Paul, he continued to observe the Sabbath. It was his custom. Custom. That is for some of us, some of you guys, you feel like, hey, I cannot wear jewelry. I just can't do it. It's not It's not for me. It does something. to. That's fine. There's no, nothing wrong with that. For some people, they say, I cannot wear pants. I need to wear a skirt. Like, that's what I, that's what I grew up on. And that's what I feel. You can be free and do that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. The problem is, is when you impose your morality on someone else. When you say that they have to do it. Some folks say, hey, you know, I've, the, the Sabbath is something that I feel like I need to observe. I want to observe it. I want to observe the Sabbath. You know what I say? That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. This actually, there could be something beautiful in that. That's for nothing wrong. There's something wrong, though, if you say you have to observe the Sabbath. No, fam, I got too much freedom in the grace of God. And I also have enough freedom where someone can follow Christ in their customs as well. So this is not saying, well, if you do that, there's something wrong. It's saying stop imposing your morality, your religion, and your construct on everybody else. I'm sorry, this rant was all over the place. Hopefully you get something out of it. God bless you guys. I love y'all. I got to go. We all have to go. Uh, We're going to pray and close out. But I just pray that you will be led today by those two things. Step out. That's the first thing. Step out. Like actually get involved with your city. Get to know your city. Get to know your community. Get to know your job. Whatever is in your periphery, get to know it. Know the culture. Know the idols that drive it. Stop calling out sin as if there isn't an idol behind it driving it. Let's use the gospel now. Yeah, call out sin. That's just, what does that do? We've been calling out sin for generations. Generations upon generations. Does calling out sin stop anyone from sinning? No, it doesn't. There's something so much more powerful than condemnation. And it's the working of the Holy Spirit and the message of the gospel. So confront the idols. Then ask the Lord to give you wisdom to preach the gospel into it. We're not here to call people out. We're here to call them out of the darkness into the marvelous light. And if calling out sin hasn't worked for you for the last two decades, three decades of your life, what makes you think calling out sin now is going to work? There's a spirit. Exactly right, Amy. There's a spirit behind it. We need to call out that spirit. There's the principality behind it. We need to call out the principality. Let's work smart, y'all. Love y'all, family. Heavenly Father, I thank you for... Lord, the privilege that you've given us as we've come together in your word, Father, I thank you for blessing us. I thank you for blessing each and every one of us, Lord, giving us, Lord, the facilities to gather together, to worship, to read your word. And Father, I just pray, Lord, even as we journey in your scriptures today, may we be led by your spirit. May we be inspired to be more like you. May we be inspired to carry your power and your presence, Lord, 
to where we are, each and every one of us, to each and every one of our respective locations. Father, I pray that you would bless Lord, every listener. May they be free in your grace, but may they be empowered in your grace to become more and more like you. Lord, we pray for transformation, not just modification. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church class over, y'all. Love y'all family. Again, follow us on Discord. I'm not on IG every day. I am on Discord every day. So join me on Discord, discord.gg slash opusfrere. And we have developments. Things will be changing up very soon. We've got some rhythms that will be changing soon. All for the good. And uh, I'm excited about them. And so I'm excited that you guys get to be a part of that. And also prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Love y'all family. Gotta go. Peace out.